The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. Welcome to the Elk Talk podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson, presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building. It's like 120 yards away. What do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> happy New Year, Corey. Hey, Happy New Year to you. Yeah. How you been? Well, surviving winter so far. Yeah. Well, I've been on the road so much, I haven't really had much winter. Really? Arizona, yeah, Arizona, Nevada. Minnesota, actually. I went to a wedding in Minnesota, and it was warmer there than it was in Montana. So I, wow. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we've been we've had a bit of a break here. Sorry, folks, for uh, being off on vacation or holiday or New Year's or whatever you want to call it. And then Corey's life got turned upside down that he had to move out of his office <laughs> with about, what, eight minutes notice? Not a lot of notice. Like so we found a new office and... Got moved into it and temporarily set up here to to do a podcast. And between that and the new year and basketball season and everything else going on, Randy and I have struggled to put a calendar together. Yeah. Well, today we got a calendar together because we're going to talk about the Wyoming elk applications that are coming up January 31st, 2024. Yeah, there's nothing new uh, going on in Wyoming, is there? Oh, they, they should have just burnt it down and said we're going to rebuild because <laughs> there's only two changes, but they're two huge changes. I was going to say they probably oh. should have just got rid of the whole point system while they were at it. You, you think they're going to get rid of $9 million a year of selling nothing but vapor, <laughs> like, like <laughs> bit, bits and bites? They, they sold 180,000 elk points last year. At fifty bucks a piece, and that's people who aren't even applying. Yeah, yeah. Only twenty percent of the people in Wyoming who are in the point system actually applied for a tag last year. You think that'll change other, this year? That'll be interesting to see, <laughs> won't it? Yeah, and that's yeah. why. Uh, well, I just did a video uh, this week about other information to look at besides just the draw odds, right? Everyone looks at last year's draw odds and they think that's all you need. Well, if you want to project point creep 
And if Colorado's history is any indicator, which I think it is, because it's about 15 years ahead of Wyoming's system, when you have a huge disparity between point buyers and applicants, the rate of point creep historically accelerates way faster than in other states. Absolutely. So all these people in Wyoming sitting with double-digit points, and there's 180,000, 181,000 people in the Wyoming system with points. Plus last year, there were 7,250 of them that drew that wiped out their points, and they're probably going to jump in again this year. And only 20% of those people apply. You think there's going to be more point creep in Wyoming going forward or less? So there's 180,000 people with points. 20% of that would be 36,000. Yep. So let's round it to make it easy. Say 40,000 people are applying for an actual hunt out of that 180,000. So there's yep. 144,000 people just buying points every year. So if yep. theoretically all of those people jumped into the draw this year, Yep. Draw odds would go down by 80%. I mean, you, it would take five yeah. times as many points to draw. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's a piece of information that I'm always dumbfounded that folks don't look at. I've been, I, I keep it, I track it on spreadsheets. And I talk to our friends at Go Hunt and they're like, yeah, we, we thought everybody just knew that i'm like you know what i think you ought to start putting it in your strategy articles so yeah. i think utah is another state that has not quite the disparity colorado actually is is way better they have about almost two hundred thousand people in their point system but that's about because they have so much opportunity over the counter that goes away right. and that's going to swing the other direction really quickly yeah so uh, Wyoming with the big changes this year. What, what are Which the big changes? Let, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, I don't know. Let, <laughs> let's start first with the price increase in the special draw. Okay. That's number one. Number two is they broke out the general tag into three different units. Those are the two big changes, but they're really big changes because of how Wyoming system works. for somebody interested in the general tag, because that price increase is going to affect that in a big way as well. Yeah. So that's why I want to start with the price increase. There is no change to the price in the regular draw. It's still with your transaction fees, application fees, tag fees, and you got to front all this. I think it's like $767. Yeah, yeah. And you got this two. 2.5% credit card transaction fee that that that's a sunk cost. You don't get that back. Yep. So, uh, that's staying the same, but you get over here to the special draw where 40% of the tags have been allocated and get allocated. And that's always been the place where supposedly you would get better draw odds. But in some years, in some units, it actually was not that way. Because but, people think they're getting better draw odds, so they go for the special, and everybody does the same thing, and they're sitting there going, wait, we should have just went for the regular. It's cheaper, and we would have drawn. 
<laughs> so in that special draw, when you add everything, lock, stock, and barrel, the tag applica- the, the application fee, the tag itself, and your credit card transaction fee, $2,014 in the For special draw this tag. year. <laughs> yes. You're going to have to front. This. And, and consider this. This is an elk tag in a general. So in the general, if you get a general tag, who's going to pay $2,000 for that? So think about now what the odds of drawing a general tag in the regular pool is going to be. I mean, if, if somebody pays the $2,014, it's probably not going to take very many points to draw a general tag this year in the special draw. No. No, but for it's the poor not. people and who aren't willing to pay two thousand dollars, the regular draw is it's already what four and a half points, five four. points, something yep. to draw a general yep. tag. It's going up. It is going up. So a bunch of people are mad at Wyoming Game and Fish, they're mad at Wyoming resident hunters. <laughs> well, folks, your anger is misplaced. Yeah. Because Wyoming resident hunters did not ask for this. The Wyoming Game and Fish Department did not ask for this. This huge fee increase in the special that's going to push so many people over to the regular, and probably, if my crystal ball is correct, probably going to create point creep like we've never seen before. That was pushed by the Wyoming Outfitter and Guide Association under the premise that their clients are more likely to be able to absorb this big price increase and and easier for them to draw exactly (laughs) especially in the general draw because where do a lot of those people operate in the wilderness areas in In the the general general units yeah so if you're going to be upset folks make sure you're upset and point your your anger to where it originated this same, was nothing. Same people who won't let us hunt the wilderness in Wyoming. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that huge price increase, I, I think it's in the general, it's going to ruin the draw odds for the re- folks over in the regular draw. Yeah. In we, the general. We aren't going to see point creep. We're going to see point explosion. Yeah. And then I th- I think the people who've been in the special draw at the you know at the top I think eighteen is the max this year, uh, folks at probably fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen they're probably going to stay over in that special draw the the ones that have already been there and said you know this is my year to burn my points and maybe they'll be one and done I I don't know. But what my worry is another complication to the general draw is that a lot of people with 8 to 14 points are going to say, you know what, I've got 12 points. I'm going over to the, the regular draw. And yeah, that last year that hunt took 8 or 9 points, but I don't care. I'm just, I, I'm burning my 12 points. Because if the rumor of Wyoming is comes to fruition that they're going to take deer, elk, and pronghorn and move that to 10%, well, if I'm sitting on on 12 points, I'm just getting the hell out of here. I'm burning those points today before they become worth even less. Well, just think about prob- the, the compounding effect of all of these things that could happen. The price increase, 
the reduction in the number of non-resident tags across the board, all of that happening, you know, if it happens this year, the price increase, and next year they go to the 10% from 16%, we're talking people bailing out of the, the controlled hunts, going for a general tag just to burn their points there. And it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that people with eight or 10 points are all going to jump into the general pool next year. And with the tag decrease, the tag allocation decrease, it could take 12 or 13 points to draw a general tag. It, it could be crazy. Yeah. So that's why, and I know that it's kind of a little bit late now because uh, you and I always tell people that if you can, if it fits your, your time schedule and it's a hunt that you'd be satisfied with, go and hunt now. And I think <laughs> what we're seeing in Wyoming is that example of why you don't want to be a point collector if you don't have to be. Yeah. Now, I have a lot of friends who use these tag application services. They, you know, they, you pay someone some money and you say, I want to apply for this species in this state or the all, some say just every, everywhere for everything and just send me a bill because money is not an object to them. Well, there's tens of thousands of people that use these application services, book a booking service. They want you to book a hunt with outfitter ABC because they get a commission. So they do this stuff for you. Your outfitter does this stuff. So there are a ton of people who have folks doing their applications for them. Lots of people. And from what I've heard in the last week is a lot of these experts, and, and this is what they do every day. So these consultants know their stuff right? They, they, this is what they live and breathe. This is how they make their money. A lot of these consultants are telling people, you better start thinking about burning your Wyoming points. Yeah. And I think a lot of those people make up that big chunk of the 80% that have just been point buyers. Yep. And if their consultants are telling them <laughs> bail now, cash in now, I I can't even. It'll be interesting to see in May what the the creep is and what what I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe well look maybe. At, look at Arizona. A few years ago, when Arizona went to you know they made their changes, and mm-hmm. I'm I was sitting on I don't remember ten points or something at that time, and right. could have drawn a tag that was of interest to me at that point. Their, their one simple change, which was nowhere near as drastic as what Wyoming's looking at doing, went from 10 points to 16 points the next year for that same tag. The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by Go Hunt. If you want the best application tools, best research tools, the best gear shop, everything all in one place, Go Hunt is the place to get it. That's what we use, and that's what a lot of you use. If you're interested, go out to GoHunt.com. When you sign up, use promo code ELKTALK, and they're going to put $50 of gear credit in your shop account. And when you do that, you're going to have access to all these same tools that we use to make sure we go hunting every year. GoHunt.com, promo code ELKTALK. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including 
meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery. And my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTOK to save on your next order. ELKTOK podcast is also brought to you by the University of Elk Hunting. The University of Elk Hunting was founded by Corey Jacobson. It is now part of the suite of courses out there at OutdoorClass.com. So if you want to sign up for the University of Elk Hunting and save some money, go out to OutdoorClass.com and use Elk Talk as your promo code and you'll get 20% off. But more importantly, you're going to get the University of Elk Hunting. You're going to get other courses from Outdoor Class taught by Corey Jacobson, Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, John Barklow, Hank Shaw, Jamie Teagan, and on and on and on. There you have it. OutdoorClass.com will get you the University of Elk Hunting. Just make sure you use promo code ELKTALK and save 20%. Yeah. So it almost doubled the number of points it took to draw it. And again, this we aren't talking price increases. We aren't talking any of these major things. It was just they took a few tags out of a certain pool and offered it to the people with the most points. So if you didn't have yeah. the most points, you got you got hurt. Right. Oh. Yep. So that's that's a huge change that I think is going to have implications in this elk draw. And then the deadline for deer and pronghorn, and not that we worry about that in, in an elk doc podcast, but that deadline is May 31st. And there's the same effect, same huge price increase. It's going to be a $1,300 pronghorn tag in the <laughs> Wyoming special draw. <laughs> you, you think that's not going to change applicant behavior? Uh, so, but I'm, hey, surprised, huh? I'm surprised they can get $130 for one of those tags, but I'm talking hey, to the man. wrong guy about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not get too carried away there, Corey. But uh, so we got that. And then Wyoming this year. Again, this was a change requested by the Wyoming Outfitter and Guide Association where they took the general units and they split it into three. Region W general, which I think W stands for West since it's all the Western units. General S, which is mostly the Southern units along the Colorado border. And General E, which is the stuff everything else (laughs) yeah pretty much everything east of i-25 uh they did throw a little bone here and i this is what worries me this is why i think wyoming resident hunters are going to be upset and push harder for a 10 percent deer elk and pronghorn is the outfitters in the way that they did this added 925 general tags to the pool for non-residents so resident hunters are like wait a second we didn't want to we the the idea of this was to keep the cap at the old 7250 but through doing this you guys have if you want to say violated that cap you've added another 900 and some tags to this we'll show you guys we'll get one of our legislators to do a 10 percent for out there in pronghorn <laughs> Uh, we just can't win. We just, you know, and that's a problem. There, there's a lot going on here. 
Yeah. But there's a lot of special interests that are making right. these changes, that are dictating the changes and fighting for the changes that aren't based on biology, that aren't based no. on sound management practices. Nope. And it's not just the non-residents who are going to end up getting hurt by this. Yeah. You know, it's, the residents have to be up in arms too, looking at everything right. that's going on. And and now, you know, I, I don't I didn't see the distribution of where the general holders in the past have hunted as far as the eastern, the southern, or the western units. But it looked yeah. a little bit skewed to me that I think it's going to force some people and there's going to be more pressure in some areas that haven't seen pressure previously. Yeah, def definitely the case. Now, where the applications are going to go between west, south, and east, I, I, I don't really know, but I'm looking at this. And I'm, I'm mostly comparing the south and the west because... Yeah. They both have decent amounts of public access. The East, I think, is mostly, hey, if you got access, you got a friend who has property or you're going with an outfitter, that's probably where you're going to go. And that's what um, I'm looking at, thinking they put a lot of tags in that pool that I don't think very many people are going to take advantage of. So it's going to be easy to draw one of those tags, but it's going to be hard to right. find a place to hunt, which exactly. means now they've taken opportunity from the people who hunt the western and the southern portion yep so if i compare the western and southern portion and i, I don't know what people how people are going to look at this i'm just processing it in my head the western portion the terrain is a lot steeper you have these long things with long claws and big teeth <laughs> uh, or ursa horribilis in other words grizzly bears you have a ton of wilderness area that's off limits. I wonder if that's going to put more pressure on the general tags in the southern unit than what it used to have. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you have I, to choose, before you could, you know, you could get a general tag yeah. and then decide where you were going to hunt. Now you've got to choose. You can't. You can't bounce around anymore. They're limiting where you can go, and that's going to definitely make some. Some people think about, okay, where am I going to apply? Yeah. And so, with fewer tags in the southern units, easier terrain, no grizzly bears, is that going to make those draw odds incredibly hard to to get a tag? Yeah. I don't we know. Don't know. <laughs> we'll know, though, soon. <laughs> we'll know by May 20th or so. And what's funny I, is everybody's going to study these statistics now after this draw comes out, and they're all going to change next year based on what they see, <laughs> and it's just going to be this pendulum swinging from side to side, these great big highs and lows, thrown yep. in with, oh, now we're going to decrease the number of tags, and yeah, yeah. Wyoming's going to be a mess for a couple of years. Yeah, but... Wyoming has some of the best elk hunting in the West. Yeah. They have they have a great product. And that's why there's so much <laughs> demand for it. Exactly. That's why they can make these radical changes and sit there and smile and be like, they're still gonna play our game. Yep. They they have a couple things going for them. And have I I get to talk to a lot of state directors and a lot of the state commissions about this sort of stuff. They'll call me and you know, Wyoming Part of the reason that when they moved the deer and pronghorn deadline to May 31st, the reason that they left the elk deadline to January 31st, even though they don't draw until May, is one, there was outfitter pressure, 
But there's also the idea of, hey, we're the first out of the shoot, and there's a static pool of non-resident hunters with a static combined budget. So if we're the first ones out of the gate and we grab a big chunk of that budget because we make them front everything, we're, we're, we're going to have, you know, I'm in first crack at <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so add, add a superior product to that, and Wyoming's got it figured out. Yep. And we can complain about it, but, you know, <laughs> it just is the reality of how it is. Why, you know, why they do it is pretty obvious. Yeah. Well, and look at from, from the game and fish, from the legislator, legislature, you know, from their perspective, you can complain all you want. <laughs> it, it's not going to change anything. They're not going to change. They're, they're going to look at it and say, we offered whatever it was, 1,600 or 4,400 or whatever number of tags in the special pool. And all yeah. of them got, we got rid of all of them. Right. There, you know, there may not be nearly as many people applying for that, but that doesn't matter. We still make the revenue off of that, whether there's one extra person that applies or 10,000 extra people that apply we sold those tags at that price and they're going to find that point where that breakover point is and they're going to keep capitalizing on it. Yeah. If you, you wouldn't even need a college econ student to advise you on this. Uh, <laughs> if, if you studied economics in fifth grade, a fifth grade econ student could look at this and say your price sensitivity you've nowhere you you're not even close to price sensitivity if you have over 180,000 applicants yeah. and you're only giving away 7250 tags a year but you got 180,000 people standing in your line you have not reached price sensitivity not yep. you're you're not you can't even see price sensitivity from where you're at yeah and i I protested. I, I wrote to the Wyoming legislature, again, not that they care about me, but when they started this whole 60-40 special regular split, I think it's, it's just my own personal opinion. I, I don't like it. I don't think that because I'm at a point in my life where my financial obligations are pretty well taken care of, that if I wanted to, for any of those three species, deer, elk, or pronghorn, if I'm willing to pay more money, I get better draw odds. Really? No. Come on. But that's the system they have. Yep. So, <laughs> so let me that's let me game, that's the game we've got to play. Yeah, let me ask you this. If Wyoming doesn't see much in the way of drop in applicants because of this special price increase. Do you think regular tags are going to go up? <laughs> <laughs> that's, que that's question one. I think that eventually is going up. Do you think other states are watching this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially the big bull states, Nevada, yeah. Arizona, New Mexico. You know, Utah. they're sitting there saying, we're only charging the same amount that they're charging for their regular tag in a general unit. And we've yep. got way bigger bulls and way better quality hunts. Let's uh, yeah. let's double our tag prices here, and right. and you gotta you gotta remember, there's 180 thousand people in the Wyoming pool. Yep, there's 7,200 tags. So let's right. just make math easy and it's, say it's 50 50 between regular and special. So about yeah. 
this year they're yeah this year it'll bump up to about eight thousand tags but yeah so that makes yeah. it even easier so let's say let's say it's four thousand of each regular and special yeah. at the end of the day the revenue that comes in is from those four thousand tags in the regular pool and those four thousand tags in the special pool the hundred and eighty thousand people that are there yeah we're getting 50 bucks from them but 50 bucks compared to two thousand dollars for the tags that they're selling yeah, it's a big deal, but they can afford to, to have a handful of people drop out of that pool and say, I'm going somewhere else to play the game, knowing that we're going to make a whole bunch of money off of these 4,000 tags in each pool that people are willing to pay. And if you have 180,000 people and it drops to 160,000, does that really hurt anybody? No. Next no. year, we just raise the regular tags up to $1,200. <laughs> and we know that we're still going to sell them. People are still going to pay it. And like you said, the price sensitivity, uh, we're, we're, we're not even cracking. There's 4,000 no. tags if they have to be sold in the regular pool for a general draw, even just for the general side. I promise you there's 4,000 people willing to pay $2,000 for a general tag. Yeah. So why, no. what's stopping yeah. them from going to $2,000 for the regular? Yeah. I mean, even at 8,000 tags, Wyoming has 23 years worth of people <laughs> standing in that line buying points. Yeah. You talk about and job you, security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you look at how many of them have double digit points. Yeah. In other words, they've, they've been just buying points, telling their consultant, ah, oh, yeah, just buy me points, just buy me points, whatever. For over a decade, almost two decades, some of them, they're, they're sooner or later going to cash out. Yep. And that's, what, that's the other thing I look at when I try to anticipate point creep is how many or what percentage of the applicants have double-digit points. Because someday when those folks decide to cash out, they, they might say, you know what? It really fits my calendar this year, and either they make the assessment or their consultant makes the assessment and says, well, you know, last year this took nine points. You got 12. I can guarantee you you'd get to go this year if you yeah. jumped into that nine point, that hunt that took nine last year. So now all of a and the guy the hunt takes 12 for everybody else. Yeah, and the guy who or gal who's sitting on 10 saying, all right, this is my year. I'm jumping in there. I'm only going to jump by one. I'm going to burn one at one point more than I need to. All of a sudden, they don't get a tag. They're like, what in the – how did this happen? Yeah. Well, you got to be looking at that other data over there. It's like the stock market. You get somebody that owns five <laughs> shares of Google, and they sell them. It's not going to affect the price. But no. <laughs> you get somebody that owns 35% of it and they decide to cash out, price, you know, yeah. it's, there's an effect there. And so it's the, it's the ones that hold the chips that are going to have the biggest effect on it when they decide to make a move. And looking at how yeah. many people there are in the pool is important, but looking at how many people, like you said, that really are going to affect what happens. It, it's it's yeah. the people with more points jumping into lesser hunts that's going to affect the people mm -hmm. with fewer points. Right. And their incentive to do that this year has never been higher. Yeah. The incentive for someone to go from the special over to the regular has never been higher. And the incentive with all these rumors about Wyoming going to 10%, if you are one of those high point holders, 
you're like, I'm not going to wait for that to happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. This Wyoming. Is the year. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's, here's a question. Yeah. When I first started hunting Wyoming as a non-resident, mm-hmm. and I don't remember yep. what the prices were for the regular and the special, but they were much more affordable. Oh, we yeah. could, we could put special general tag as a second choice and draw and draw it as a second choice, meaning there were leftover tags and it wouldn't affect our points. It wouldn't use our points. Right. Is that still an option? That is still an option. So if potentially some of these units, maybe say a unit that takes typically six to 10 points and people aren't Mm -hmm. quite willing to pay $2,000 for a special tag. So now all of a sudden there's a couple left over. Yep. It's potential. I mean, there, there's a probability that somebody could apply for a, a harder to draw hunt as their first choice and then apply for that tag as a second choice and draw that tag in the special pool because there were tags left over and not use their points. If they get it as their second choice, it will not burn their points. No. With this huge disparity, it might roll the hands of time back. Yeah. To how that was, yeah. I don't know that. This I, wouldn't is the weird... the, I wouldn't say in the gen, for a general tag necessarily. I, I think that's become too popular, right. and I think there'll be enough demand even for the special. Yeah, pricing but unit, units that have difficult access. Yeah, you might you might see that. Yeah, I I wish <laughs> I had a crystal ball, Corey. I I've been trying to build my own crystal ball for Wyoming, and all I've concluded is I don't know. I don't know Sikkim from come here. I, 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 <laughs> I, I really don't. So. Uh, I I throw all this out there, though, and I think we've decided we're going to throw all these possibilities out there because we want people to be more informed. Yep. Don't just do what you did last year because it's a completely different game this year. It is, it is not even close to the same game this year. And like you said, I don't think Wyoming is going to get to this stabilized point where it's predictable for probably three or four more years. You're going to have every next, like you said, next year, everyone's going to say, well, look what happened in 2024. So the herd mentality is going to all go do that. Yeah. Well, you're going to, what we're probably going to see is people are like, I am not paying $2,000. The majority of people are going to say, mm-hmm. I'm not paying $2,000 for a general tag in Wyoming. It's, it's not worth it. Yeah. I can almost buy a landowner tag in some states and, you know, maybe not anymore for 2000, but for not a whole lot more. So you might be able to draw a general tag in Wyoming in the special draw with just two points instead of three and a half or four that it was taken last year. But when everybody sees that next year and they're sitting on two or three points, all those low point holders are going to jump over into that. And now all of a sudden it's going to take four or five points. So yeah, there's going to be some, some swings while everything corrects itself and balances back out. And with more changes on the horizon coming each year, it's just going to make those swings completely unpredictable and sporadic. Yep. So I'm going to apply in Wyoming and I'm going to use my crystal ball as foggy (laughs) and fuzzy. as You know how at Christmas they give you one of these little snow ball things where you (laughs) globes yeah you shake it and there's snowflakes 
My mine looks like a complete blizzard. That's how <laughs> unclear my crystal ball is with all this stuff. But. <laughs> the liquid inside there froze. Yeah, there you go. I left it out in my truck when it was thirty below or something. But uh-huh. I I don't know. I, I and I think Wyoming is an example of what we're seeing in states across the West. You know, resident numbers are resident hunter numbers are increasing or residents are feeling their allocation is not what it used to be or what it could be or what it should be and so who's the dog that gets kicked that's yep. the non the non-resident is in under the public trust principle and the north american principles states are beholden to their residents first the trustee could only allocate non-resident opportunity if it's beneficial to the trust and to the other beneficiaries, i.e. the citizens of that the state. Residents, yeah. <clears throat> so as much as we want to get upset about what a state does, technically a state doesn't have to give any non-resident opportunity. Yeah, and if you want to really take a deep dive into something scary... Look at how much revenue comes in each of these states from non-resident hunters. Right. It, it's a substantial amount. But then mm-hmm. divide that revenue by the resident hunters, and it wouldn't take a whole lot of extra fees no. for a resident hunter to cover that revenue and completely eliminate non-resident hunting opportunity. Right. Yep. So not saying that any state is suggesting to eliminate non-resident opportunity but it's going to get tighter yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah so where i was going with that is you know if, if we're getting 10 percent as a non-resident the residents are going to say you know what charge me an extra 25 dollars a year for my tag yeah and we'll you know give them three percent instead of ten percent yep that's what oregon did change. yeah yeah oregon used to give ten percent and then they dropped it to fi- anywhere from two to five percent, depending yeah. on the species and the hunt. So <laughs> it can happen. Yep. I I hate to be painting this doom and gloom picture. <laughs> it's a reality, you know, and that's the thing. It's right. we're not sitting here as pessimists saying, "Oh, the sky is falling." We're sitting here saying, literally, the sky is falling. <laughs> like it's reality here. So yeah, be prepared and and play <clears throat> the game accordingly. Yeah, and that's where, I guess that's the point is have as much information as you possibly can to make the best decision that increases your probabilities and just know that your probabilities aren't that great. Yeah. And I wish it was different. Yep. I, I do, but it, it's, you know, we, we've added 100 million people to the population in this country since I graduated high school. Which some would say, well, Newburgh, that was 80 years ago. What do you expect? <laughs> uh, That's because the know. dinosaurs are no longer around eating people. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, that's Wyoming's two big changes. And uh, I don't know what that means for people. I don't know what they're going to decide to do. I don't know if they're going to just bail. I don't know how many of the people who drew last year are all 7,250 of those going to jump back in the system or are they just saying, you know what, 
did did my one and done in Wyoming, or maybe it was their fourth time, but they're done with it because they're back at the bottom of the pile. I, I really don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the point piles churn with this huge price increase over on yeah. the special side. Do a bunch and, of people uh, jump out and just go over the counter in Colorado? Well, you know, <laughs> that, that opens up they the, might. the Colorado debate of, you know, they're already yeah. strained with non-resident yep. over-the-counter hunters. Now, if yep. you push a few more that way, and they've uh, recently added some land piranhas there to help thin out the elk population. I mean, you just yep. have to look ahead and say the reality is Colorado is going to be changing in the next five years in a big right. way to over-the-counter opportunity for non-residents. Yeah, and they, they currently have committees meeting on on that talking yeah. about what what should Colorado have and Colorado usually does these five-year plans and at least it gives you a little bit of predictability for five years when they do them but I don't know what will come out of those committees either but if they make they could make a couple easy changes to say look for non-residents over the counter becomes a draw yeah. and you burn and you burn your points well yep. Right. It becomes a general tag, just like Wyoming. It's a right. over-the-counter for a resident. Non-resident has to apply for it and use points. Mm-hmm. And the number yeah. of tags goes from way up here to way down here. So you don't have near as much yeah. competition from non-resident hunters. You still bring in the revenue. Everybody's happy, except yeah. for us, the non-resident hunter. <laughs> well, the, a lot of people ask us, what could be done to change some of this stuff? And I think we've brought it up on prior podcasts. Is first of all, if I was king for a day, I'd get rid of every point system, but I'm never <laughs> going to be king for a day. And if I was only king for a day, the next day the new king would reinstitute some point system that's even more complicated than what <laughs> exists today. But I think states, if they really wanted to start turning the point pile, you could be like Nevada. And say whether you draw first, second, third, fourth, or fifth choice, yep. you burn you burn your points. That would help. Yeah, I think if state said, you know what, if you go buy a lo- landowner tag, if you, well, however you get a tag, you burn your points. Raffle, any auction, tag. landowner, any tag, tag, yep, yep, any tag, you burn your points. Then we would see who's really interested and who just wants to be a point collector. Yeah. And just those two changes would really change the dynamics of how some some of these states end up with so many high point holders. Yeah. Yeah, there's so but, many so many shortcuts and options that allow you to collect points and still get a tag in that state and go hunt there. Right. And so, yeah, it's like you said, you eliminate that. And if you step foot in our state with a tag in your pocket, you don't have points sure. when you come back to play the game next year. Yeah. And if you are in Wyoming and you're a resident listening to this discussion, <laughs> I hope after the draw occurs in May, we always hear a few disgruntled Wyoming residents. Oh, we need residents need a point system just like the non-residents. Oh, man. If you hear one of your buddies say that and you're a Wyoming resident, you're allowed to kick them in the knee. (laughs) 
That, that's just that's that's stupidity. Who who would <clears throat> if you can see what's going on here with these point systems? Why would you ask your state to impose the same thing on you yep. if you that's don't why have I it already? So hard for those few years when Idaho just kept bringing it up. We're going to a point system. We got to have a point system, you know. And you just it, it's so important to be involved in things before it happens because once it happens. And the door's open and you can't close a door like this now. There's, yeah, you can make changes that hopefully will alleviate the pain, like taking your points if you have a tag, things like that. But that's causing pain to, to somebody else now. And so yeah. there's no solution that's going to please everybody. And you've got to think about who are they going to listen to first? Who are they going to listen to second? And how far down the list am I and my, my wants and needs in that state? <laughs> Uh, I know how far I'm down that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's all right. I, yep. uh, and, and here's the other thing Marcus and I were talking about doing an, uh, a podcast about really what are some of the unintended consequences of point systems. And for me, one of the unintended consequences of point systems is I think it gives people the perception that somehow I've I've paid for something here and I don't have to work on conservation. I don't have to, have to advocate <laughs> for anything. I'm just going to buy my point and yeah, if the if the pool of of elk gets smaller and smaller, well, you know, I I've at least bought a point and I've got my place in line here. And Maybe I'm seeing that in a way that doesn't really exist, but I worry that these point schemes take our eye off the bigger picture. The bigger picture being how are we going to put more elk out there yep. for people for people to to you know to hunt to enjoy to whatever whatever you want. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't care what state what species if the herd is currently at 50,000 the number of tags are a lot less than if we could get that to 60,000 or 70,000 or 100,000 yep and well you uh, just think you know and it's all when they use science and biology to manage herds you know <laughs> they they look at okay we've got 10,000 elk there and we want to keep it at 10,000 elk and we get a thousand new calves every year. So that means there's a thousand elk that can be shot and we've got to figure out how many of them are cows, how many of them are bulls. But if there's a thousand elk and our average success rate is 33%, we can put 3000 people in the field with a tag. They're going to shoot about a thousand elk. We're going to distribute the, the sex of those animals appropriately. And then next year we're going to have 10,000 animals to be able to do it all over again. Like mm -hmm. you said, if there are 15,000 animals, those extra 5,000 animals, they're able to basically say, we can shoot more now every year, but it exponentially, right. based on the success rate, adds that many more people to the field. So it's, it's kind of like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. When you pay $40 to be a member, they aren't taking your $40 and going out and, and doing something with it. They're taking your $40 and leveraging other money that's out there and turning it into 150 or $200. It's the same right. with every animal we put on the landscape. It's, it's leveraged. 
and it's based on success rates and a lot of other things. And I don't know very many places other than places that take 20 points to draw a tag anyway, that are sitting there saying, we can't afford to have any more animals in this landscape. (laughs) Just about everywhere is there's things that could be done to improve the habitat, which will allow the animals to, to increase naturally. There's things that can be done right now where there's, there are other factors, whether it's predators, disease, you know, whatever it is, there, there are a lot of things that can be done to increase that pie and to make that pie bigger, just in terms of the number of animals in the landscape. And when that increases, it's not hunting that's keeping it down. You know, it's hunting can, can increase with the population increase. And when those animal numbers increase, the number of people who are allowed to then have a tag to hunt those animals is not one-to-one. It's yeah. probably three-to-one. Yep. So that's a really good, we, we almost need a diagram that we, too bad it's a podcast and not a video that we could put up there. To oh, show. you shouldn't have said that. We already get enough people saying, I wish this was a video. I want to watch you guys. I want to be able to watch <laughs> you talk. <laughs> like, there's uh, nothing entertaining uh, about watching us talk. We're sitting here in chairs looking at each other with a headset on. and Yeah. That, we, we both have faces I mean, made for radio. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. But So you touched on something, Corey, and, and you said it tongue-in-cheek, but I know you meant it seriously. You said, when we manage based on science. Yeah. Well, to all of our friends in Colorado, all of you who hunt Colorado, I hope that you are paying attention to what's going on down there. The governor has stacked their commission. They did this last summer, last fall, with members who have the term is called a mutualist view and it's a view that says hunting really doesn't have much relevance to wildlife management and there is a ballot initiative coming up in 2024 remember colorado had this ballot initiative about what do you call them land piranhas canis lupus wolves uh that passed by about a percentage point in 2020 or I think it was 2020. Well, Colorado's getting another ballot initiative and it's about, it, it, it's termed to be eliminate the hunting of cats. But if you read the language that you have all these definitions or all these vague terms called trophy hunting. Well, what's trophy hunting? If if I somehow keep the antlers because I want, I like Euro mounts, am I trophy hunting? Uh-oh, Corey, you just went offline. Corey's new office might have fouled up here. I better go see if he's texting me or what's the deal. Hold on, folks. Just a second. I got to go find Corey out here in the world of the internet. I'll be right back. All right, folks, I just got a text message from Corey. Uh oh, something happened here and my computer is froze up. So while Corey's trying to unfreeze his computer, I'm gonna try add a bit of a discussion here to what I was talking about of Colorado having this ballot initiative that's coming up related to cats slash whatever, you know, mountain lions, bobcats, whatever. And 
there's a group in Colorado. Uh, there is, there's two, two, there's one is an alliance and then one's a group. The Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project is a group of the, the nonprofits, uh, a lot of others trying to give voice to science-based management in Colorado. Now, one of the groups really leading the charge against this ballot initiative is Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management. Now, I've been lucky enough they've let me sit in on some of their calls, some of their planning sessions, some of their strategies about what they're doing along with a lot of other groups. Well, until Corey find, solves his computer problem, I'm going to continue. Are you there, Corey? I see you. Uh, it says, alert, participant Corey is having a problem. Media recorder is not working as expected. Saying, Corey, here's what it says. Corey moved to a new office. Corey's audio is in the new office is not what it could have been. See, the audience, I, I've been recording this whole time because I want the audience to understand the technical difficulties of producing a podcast from 500 miles apart. Especially when you've been booted out of your confines, your normal comforts. And Corey has a lot going on, folks. He has, <laughs> he's been booted out of his old office and he's set up this temporary thing. He's coaching basketball. They're supposed to drive to a basketball game today, and they've been warned that this is a near blizzard condition, and they're going to leave at 11 in the morning instead of the normal 3 o'clock travel time. You, you got a busy day, Corey. I do. Is the audio any better? Nope. It's still the same. But, but you know what we're going to do? We're just going to go with it. Well, I'll, I'll talk less. <laughs> see if I get it figured out here. Well, here's what we're going to do, Corey. We're going to wrap this up then. All right. Anyhow, before you ghosted <laughs> us, I was in this long dissertation of explaining to the audience what's going on with the Colorado Ballot Initiative. And I talked about the term you'd previously called land piranhas. Yeah. Wolves and how Colorado had a ballot initiative on wolves few years back that lost by one percent less than one percent i didn't even i didn't realize it was so close it was like 50.3 to 49.7 or so it was yeah insane yeah so i was telling people there are groups down in colorado who are fighting this new ballot initiative and they're getting support from all of our nonprofit groups and friends but if you are so inclined there is a group called Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management, and their website is SaveTheHuntColorado.com. They're, they're, they're one of the lead groups in this, along with the Sportsman's Alliance. I mean, there's representatives from uh, or all the sheep groups, the, the elk groups, the deer groups. There are a lot of people out there. And they're going to start rolling out their messaging pretty soon. And the messaging is not going to be smoke a pack a day or, you know, the only lion, <laughs> good lion is a dead lion. The messaging is designed to appeal to that 40 to 50 to 60% that 
that haven't made up their mind yet. So if the messaging doesn't have enough, you know, I don't know what you'd call it, rancor to it, don't be upset. The idea is to try appeal to people who really haven't, this hasn't hit their radar. Or they just haven't made up their mind. So, uh, if you get, well, it's, so I just pulled up. So actually, it was fifty point nine one percent in favor of the wolves. Forty nine point zero nine percent. So it's at one point eight percent percent difference. But here's the the crazy thing: if fifty seven thousand people out of three point three million people. So a very small percentage would have either voted the other way or would have shown up and voted against the wolves. It wouldn't have passed. Right. And when you look at the counties that voted for it versus those that didn't, there's about 11 counties that were in favor overall of wolves being reintroduced there. Yeah. And whatever's left, 60, 70 some counties that were against it. Right. So, I mean, it's the same thing as, you know, you get the, the few places that, where the big populations are, and they're going to swing that. But I guarantee you there were 57,000 hunters in Colorado that didn't vote on this, that didn't show up to vote on it and make it a priority. And the registered voters turnout, 24% of the, of the state didn't vote on that measure. Right. And there were 170,000 invalid or blank votes. Yeah. So all we needed was 57,000 votes there to swing it. Right. And that's one of the messaging things of this campaign coming in 2024 in Colorado is vote and make sure your hunting buddies vote, make sure your family members vote, because when they looked at the data, rural people and folks who would be inclined to have voted to, to, to be one of the 57,000, they went out and voted at a lower percentage than yeah. the people who are wanting these kind of things. We're, we're at a point where, I mean, when I was growing up, everybody always said, you know, all the old timers and parents and grandparents, like, I'm not going to vote. We're in Idaho. My vote doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter because... 80% of the people were already voting the same way. So yeah, the one extra vote, we're already, you know, it's swung. Oh. We're at a point now in this country where your vote does matter. Yeah. Every single vote. We're talking, I don't know the math here, but 57,000 out of 3.3 million. Yeah. That's a fraction of a percent yep. that would have swung the entire results of Colorado now has wolves, and you're not getting rid of them. I'm sorry, but no, we've seen it. We've uh, we've played the game, and you're not getting rid of them, and they will have an effect in your state. Yeah. So if you can, if you hunt Colorado, but you don't live there, they could use your money. They could use your support. They could use you sharing the message. And if you live in Colorado, all the same applies. And you need to get your friends to vote against this stuff. So uh, I think what we ought to do later on this spring, when more of the details come out, they're approving the final language and the title of that ballot initiative. Once everything is approved and we know exactly what the landscape looks like, we should probably do a deep dive into what that ballot initiative says 
and how the the scope of it, the title they're trying to have is just cats. But when you get into reading the language, it's like, man, you could interpret. Yeah, this could be (laughs) all kinds of stuff. So anyhow, and just know that all those groups that you send your donations to are helping out on this from, uh, you know, any group that is interested in science-based management is supporting the Colorado effort. They need all the help they can get and please do what you can. So. Absolutely. Anyhow, I'm going to let you go, Corey. Before my computer. So, so the crazy thing is the, the URL or the link code that you got there that said Corey's computer's having issues. I got the same thing and it just came up and said, uh, your computer has decided to shut down and the link was something watchdog.org or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm making that up, but there was something that made me think, wow, yeah, somebody's here in Randy and I talked about hunting and they're, uh, they're trying to silence my voice here. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that this is recording it. I see that it's popping up on the soundbar here. So I think you're going to, yeah. there's going to be two Corey audio files that the editor's got to deal with. There's going to be one of mine. And uh, when we, we, we're going to get back on this maybe next week. Try to get yeah. caught up on some of these because we got Arizona coming up. We got other ones coming up. And uh, yeah. by then, you'll probably have moved offices again by then. Hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> I just have the internet figured out. <laughs> uh, well, Corey, you go get packed up for this basketball road trip that you're going on. Sounds like you guys are going to have to lock in the hubs, chain up, and you know, who knows what to get there. And, yeah, uh, we've gotten about probably 16 or 18 inches of snow at my house in the last you know, four days. Ooh. And it's looking like it's going to double that here in the next four days. So, wow. It's well, winter. It is minus winter. 17 on Saturday here. Minus 17 at my house. Yeah, tonight it's supposed to drop to like 17 below in Bozeman. And our high between now and Monday afternoon is going to be three below zero for the mm-hmm. high. Of that entire period. So, (laughs) yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to let him go, Corey. You have a great trip. Folks, thanks for being here. Sorry for this little technical glitch, but we have the world's best podcast editor, Mr. Joe. He will make this into gold before it's all done. Absolutely. Yep. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, folks. Have a great day.